0: Well, good morning, church. It is always a blessing for us to be together, uh, even if I think it's roughly 200 people are on their way to camp. Uh, I want to explain this shirt for just a moment. Several months ago, I uh, mentioned in a sermon, I kind of wish we had a church T-shirt that said, take one for the team. Just said it in the middle of a sermon, and three days later, this shirt showed up in my office. Uh, And it is something that as I thought about it, I I didn't just get that phrase randomly. I'm pretty sure my dad said this to me like once a day growing up. So when I found out we were supposed to wear dad shirts, this is the closest thing I have. So take one for the team, right? I could just as easily have said life isn't fair, which I was told over and over again. And suck it up buttercup, I could be wearing a shirt. But I... uh, I wouldn't want a church logo with that phrase on my chest. So, uh, like many of the fathers in this room, my family's gift to me today is to leave me, uh, which I don't exactly feel like is a gift, but I'll, I'll take it. And I am very, very excited uh, for the reason that they're, they're away from me. This week of camp for them is a highlight every year. I'm sure that's true for a lot of our, our students, and so as Holly said earlier, I really want us to be in prayer uh, that starting today through Thursday, God will powerfully use that time that our students and our adult volunteers have dedicated. Uh, it's not easy to clear out uh, basically a week of your life, especially those of us who, who work, uh, to, to go and spend that time with those students and yet every, every year I think about all the ways God uses that week uh, and it's amazing. God honors that sacrifice of time and effort and so I just, again, let's be a praying church this week as we are every week, but this week may those prayers be directed uh, on behalf of those students. I, uh, I think of times growing up That stand out in terms of interacting with my dad. And one of the key times was when he taught me to ride a bike. And I, you know, had 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 all these different bikes growing up. They were were never new. They were always just new to me. And they always, up until a certain age, had training wheels. Uh, And I I never even wanted to call them that, right? Because I wanted to be big enough to be able to ride a bike on my own. And so one day, my, my dad came home from uh, having gone, and, and he found this bike that, again, it was used, but it was going to be new to me, and it, it was amazing. Uh, he, he found it. Uh, it, was a, it was a great deal. Uh, it was fire engine red, uh, and it had all of these racing features to it. That weren't going to be honest for me, but at least I could dream a little bit. But the key thing was there was no place on this bike where I could find training wheels, right? So he said, okay, you're going to learn how to ride a bike. You're going to learn how to be a man today, Jared. And so, you know, I get on this bike and we go down to the school parking lot and he does what we all do when we teach people to ride a bike, right? He's jogging next to the bike, holding the bicycle seat. And he, he keeps thinking that he can let go of that bike seat and I'm not going to notice. But every time he starts to, he's still jogging next to me trying to trick me. I can feel that the bike's starting to, to wobble and that I'm having trouble balancing. And so I start yelling in a particular pitch that he found embarrassing. I'll just leave it at that. And so he would quickly put his hand back on that bicycle seat and say, okay, at some point, Jared, I have to let go. You know, you said you wanted to do this, suck it up, buttercup, or whatever he said, right? So finally, he gets to the place where I've agreed that, okay, you can let go this time. And, you know, he did, and a couple of times I... I found I, I, if I was close enough to grass or whatever, I would just kind of dump the bike. And, but after a little while, I got to where, okay, I'm holding it up. And, you know, all of us, if, if you can think back to that moment where it's, I mean, you're just riding a bike. But once your parent lets go and you're not using training wheels, you feel like you're flying or something, right? It's, it's a, an incredible feeling. And so I get going, and I just start pedaling faster and faster. And I'm looking back at my dad, and he's smiling. And then he stops smiling, and he says, there's a fence. (laughs) And I turn, and there's this chain-link fence, and it's getting closer and closer. And he starts yelling at me, because we both realized at the same moment, he never showed me how to use the brakes. So he starts yelling, there's something on the handlebars. There's something on the handlebars. And I look down and there's nothing on the handlebars. There's no brake levers. So I just full speed (laughs) end up with a grid on my body from the chain link fence. Right? I just go full speed into this fence and get thrown to the ground. And my dad said, how did you let me teach you? to ride a bike and not ask about the brakes. (laughs) And I said, I didn't know how to ride a bike, Dad. How could you forget to tell me that I needed to use the brakes? And he's like, how did I get this bike and there's no brakes on it? You know, and he gets on it. He's way too big for it, so he looks kind of funny. And I start laughing at him, and it's not time to laugh at him. So he's mad at me, and I'm, you know, trying to nurse my, my hurt pride. And he finally figures out, It's a bike where you have to pedal backwards. You know, you have to move the the pedals backward to to brake. Anyway. You know, you'd think that would kind of prepare me for when he was going to teach me how to drive. (laughs) I did learn how to do the brakes first uh, on that one. Both of my parents actually, you know, got the treat of teaching me how to drive. And they both handled this threshold in our lives in different ways. My mother would try to pretend like she was totally fine with me driving, but she would talk at a speed that she never normally talked at, and it was just this torrent of words. It was as nervous, like everything she could think of to talk about that wasn't that I might accidentally run the car into something and so she'd be talking about her plans for the day and the errand she had to run. And then all of a sudden, I would do something that would frighten her. And in the middle of all that just talking, she would just scream. <laughs> I mean, scream at the top of her lungs. And I would have to try not to swerve the wheel. And then we just would drive in silence to the grocery store after that moment, right? And then I never drove home. It was all, she took over. We talked about other things. My dad, on the other hand, felt like there was absolutely no reason for him to be in the passenger seat of a car unless he was coaching the other person to drive. So he wasn't going to talk about anything else. He was only there for one reason. It was to expose me to the world's greatest driver. Right, that's how he handled it. And so it was like, okay, son, pull, pull, start to back. Have you looked in the rear view? Okay, there, is there any car coming? There's no car coming. Okay, start to ease out, ease out, ease out. You're not easing out. E- okay, now turn, turn. Okay, you got going. Okay, now we're getting. Could you see the corner up here? Do you see the other corner? Do you see that person that's like two football fields away? You're not looking, you're not listening, son. What's going on? I'm sitting here trying to teach you how to drive and you're not. And every time it ended with, your mother's going to have to do this. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking about this Father's Day. (laughs) What are you thinking about? Right? We we have all of these moments and memories in our lives that surface on a day like today. And as Holly talked about, that, that doesn't mean that we all come from the same place today. It doesn't mean we're all carrying the same kinds of memories. You know, it may be that your your biological father taught you or tried to teach you how to ride a bike and tried to teach you how to drive. It may have been somebody else. It may have been your mom. It may have been uh, another person in your life who loved your parents enough to help you learn how to drive. I, I don't know all the different things that are going on inside of each one of us this morning. And I I don't want to suggest to you that my dad and I always interacted that way. It wasn't like my dad was constantly a disappointed teacher who uh, was blaming me for being a bad student for all the things he was trying to show me in my life. I mean, there there were moments when I had tried my hardest only to fail. And my dad and I were always close enough for him to know, you know, when I could handle some coaching tips on whatever it was I was trying to do, or when I just needed him to tell me, son, it's okay. You know, everybody has a hard time with that. Everybody has things they struggle with. Let me help you. Um, and we, we all of us need people in our lives who can push us, right? Who can, who can challenge us, but also know us well enough to know when we just need encouragement, when we just need somebody to be there and say it's okay, it's okay, um, everything's going to be all right. And as you think about the the people in your life who did that for you, whoever they whoever they happen to be, whoever they were, they were like fathers to you. We we all need people who have a side to them that, well, that pushes us, but also an ability to hold us up and hold us together when that's what we need more than anything else. You know, being a father, being like a father to someone means giving time in a world that's so busy and has so many things going on. When, when an adult makes time to just be with a child, to be with someone who's becoming their own adult, that time investment, as costly as it can be, God always honors that, that commitment. God always is able to use that time beyond what we expect. And so it may seem like we're just playing catch with somebody. You know, we're, we're just throwing a ball back and forth. We're trying to help someone get, you know, that, that fastball just right. But there's a connection that's being formed that opens up opportunities for a deeper relationship where maybe, just maybe, when they find themselves not knowing who else to turn to, they turn to you. I mean, I I think back to to the moments in my life when my dad was able to be there for me when I needed him the most, and I I realized in my own journey of raising my two daughters that I want to be that kind of person in their life. And yeah, they're going to have stories that they tell later uh, where I pushed them and it got stressful and it didn't go exactly the way we planned. But I'm also trusting that they're going to have other stories and other memories when, when they needed someone to just pull for them, to be for them no matter what. That they know that I want to be that kind of person in their lives. The, the gift that God gives us in those kinds of interactions is something that I want us to hold on to this morning. I want us to hold on to it all the time, but especially today, I want us to be aware of just how amazing it is that, that God can use us as we relate to one another, as we interact with one another, God can use us to reveal aspects of his heart that we need to believe are possible. You know, and if, if, if we have this chance with someone else to help them experience what it's like to have that kind of presence in their lives. If we become the reminder or if we become the way they encounter that loving, guiding, unshakable presence of God in their life, we're giving them something that's far beyond anything that we could ask or imagine. You know, being a father... Being like a father, it's something that it's really hard to describe unless you get to experience it. It's one of those things that at moments feels like it costs you more than you have to give, and yet if you'll just try to give everything you have, it's enough. It's it's always somehow it's enough. And in a community like ours, we have an opportunity to not only raise our own children, but as we were reminded this morning, we're all helping to raise Mac to grow more and more into the image of Christ. We all get to be a part of that. If, if we're willing to make the commitment, if we're willing to make that sacrifice, and I, I always come across these kinds of moments, these days, and I think, I know I feel like I have a lot to do, and I've, and I've got all these things I'm trying to accomplish, but man, if I could just help another kid know how much God loves them and cares for them and makes time for them and would drop things to just be there. If, if I could help just one more person experience that, why would I pass that opportunity up? To get one more thing done? To check one more thing off my list? I still remember when I got ready to go to school at ACU. And I actually ended up getting accepted and and planning to come here, and I'd never actually come to Abilene until my parents dropped me off to go to school here. And it was, you know, a lot of culture shock. And I had a lot of adjustments to make. But the biggest adjustment wasn't just learning how to say y'all <laughs> and then when to say all of y'all. Uh, it, it, it was learning how to be my own person in the world without constantly checking back in the way that I was able to when I was still in my parents' home. And it wasn't just checking in. I mean, my dad's approach to, to shaping me in general was similar to his approach of teaching me how to drive, right? There was constant feedback. You know, son, are you, are you thinking that through? Have you thought about how, how the, all that, I kind of had this running commentary, it, I still do at some level, of my dad's voice, but it's different when you're, you're having to guess, well, I think this is what he might say, or I think this is the advice he might give. And I remember, you know, I, was, I think it was Maybe Dorm, uh, Third Hall North. And I remember waiting on my, I hadn't met my roommate yet, and my parents drove away. And I was trying to go to sleep that night, and I just kept thinking, what am I going to do without my dad being there. What, what, how am I going to know how to handle things that I don't even know are going to happen? Like, what, What's this going to be like? And I remember, I just remember thinking, I, I mean, I'm not alone, but I feel all alone. And there were people around me. You know, in a dorm, there's always somebody up you can talk to. It wasn't like I was all alone, but I felt more alone than I'd ever felt before. And I think mostly it was... A, how was I going to do this without my dad? Now that feeling, we all, we've all had it, right, in one way or another. And I want you to tap into it because that's the place that Israel is this morning in the text we're going to read. How are they going to keep going when they don't have the primary father figure in their life? He's not going to be with them the way he's always been with them. How's it going to go? If you've got a Bible, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31. We're going to start reading together in verse 1. This is Moses, and he's talking to the people. And he says, Look, I'm 120 years old today. Some of the dads in here don't, you're not actually 120, but you know how he feels, right? When he says that. I can't move around well anymore. Plus, the Lord told me you won't cross the Jordan River. But the Lord your God, he's the one who will cross over before you. He's the one who will destroy these nations before you so that you can displace them. And Joshua, too, will cross over before you just like the Lord indicated. The Lord will lay them out before you and you will do to them exactly what what the command I've given you dictates. And then he says to them, right, be strong, be fearless, don't be afraid, and don't be scared by your enemies, because the Lord your God is the one who marches with you. He won't let you down, and he won't abandon you. And then Moses called Joshua, and with all Israel watching, he said to him the same thing, right, be strong and fearless because you are the one who will lead this people to the land the Lord swore to their ancestors to give to them. You're the one who will divide up the land for them. But the Lord is the one who is marching before you. He's the one who will be with you. He won't let you down. He won't abandon you. So don't be afraid or scared. Now there's a reason that Moses says this to all of the people. Then he, then he gets Joshua and he says it all again. And and it's because Joshua needs to hear it a second time, and so does everybody else standing around listening, because they know Joshua, and they know he can't handle it. Not on his own, right? They've, they've learned to trust Moses as they've wandered in the wilderness. As every time they, they get hungry, he finds a way to whip up more food than they need, right? Every time they get themselves in a fix, he's there. Even when he gets angry at them, he takes care of them. There's been times that he's just wanted to say, I'm going to pull this car over, and he keeps going. But now he says, I'm not going with you where you're going next. But God is. And I think he reminds us this morning these words, the power of the Holy Spirit, speak to us the truth this morning, right? That we, we need to know this. That with all of the dads that are in this room, with all of the, the different dads that we've related to in our lives, all the father figures, We've had. The truth is this that God is our truest and our most faithful Father. That God will never leave us or forsake us, and that God will always keep finding new ways to help us experience His love. And we need to be reminded of this truth, even if it's something that we've known by heart for a long time, because all of us have moments where we. We're getting ready to, to have to deal with something or we're facing something and we feel that old fear rise up in our souls again. We, we feel that, that sense of nervousness and anxiety that comes when we think, I don't think I, I, don't think I can do this. I don't know how to do this. And, and even though we, we would never say it out loud, right? we all have moments where we just wish we could go back to that time in our lives when our, our dads would do it for us, or, or at the very least, our dad would be the one standing next to us saying, you got this, it's, it's gonna be okay. Our father figures in our lives at their best point us to our, our true heavenly father. And we've gotta hold on to that, that truth no matter how old we are, how experienced we are, or how much at times we feel like you know, we can handle the, the curveballs that are thrown our way because all of us have moments when we realize the, the limits. We reach the end of ourselves and we long for a father to be there for us. So years passed. I've gotten through my undergrad and I was working on finishing my Master of Divinity and I was, I think they've condemned these now because of how old I am. But I was living in the shared Apartments. And my dad, right around that time, uh, decided that he was going to pursue his doctor of ministry degree at ACU. And what that meant was that uh, for a week every summer, he would come out and he would attend class. And uh, because my dad would always stay at a place that 's free rather than pay to, to stay anywhere, uh, he decided he was going to sleep in the shared apartments for that week, right He would stay with with Lauren and I uh, after we had gotten married, and so we always looked forward to those those weeks. Uh, but there was always a part of me that you know kind of thought how 's this going to go you know because i, I wasn 't a kid anymore and you know, I was all of 23, so I was, I was definitely more experienced in life, and I felt like I had it mostly figured out. And I didn't need someone treating me like every decision I made needed to be questioned or second-guessed or, you know, my dad, even, even now if I'm driving my dad, it's, I might as well be 15. Like, why are you parking here? What's this parking job? You're not even straight. Would you back out and, you know what, just give, let me drive. Where's your mother, right? So... Uh, there's just times where you think this is going to be hard. All of us have gone home again, right? It's always hard to get back into the swing of things with your parents. It doesn't matter how old you are. In fact, the older you get, it starts to feel like maybe I should be parenting you, right? You start to feel like maybe the roles have changed. That's not easy either. So so I was always kind of excited, but I was always nervous. But I I remember, you know, each time he came, it it got easier for me to just look forward to it cuz we'd sit around the table at night i mean he had to be in class all day but he had the evenings with us and he he would tell us a little bit about what was going on in class but mostly we would just reconnect and we would find ourselves telling old stories and laughing and you know my family has this habit where when you tell a story it gets better the next time right there's we never let the facts get in the way of a good entertaining turn at the end of a story. And so uh, we, we just, it just always took me back in all the best ways. I remember uh, the, the last time that he came out, Lauren uh, just said to me uh, one evening after we had dinner with my dad, you're like a different person when he's around and you laugh a whole lot more and you just seem more carefree and i'm happy for you that you get to spend time with him and i thought yeah and you're sad he's leaving but she didn't say that part so i realized it wasn't her that was going to be really sad he was leaving it was me and i remember we at that time we not only did we live in shared apartments we shared a car and it was a saturn you remember those a uh, little tiny white well it wasn't white cuz we live here but it was it was underneath the dirt <laughs> and the dust it was white Little white Saturn, and I remember driving my dad to the the international airport that we have. Uh, <laughs> no and I, I got there and I let him out and I remember you know, he had this hard Samsonite gunmetal suitcase that you could take somebody out with on accident. He, he got it out of the, the trunk of the car and And I was getting ready to say goodbye to him, and uh, I was just feeling overwhelmed with the sense, it was like I was back f- a freshman, thinking, I don't want him to go. Because I'm still trying to figure life out, and I'm still trying to figure things out. I'm still trying to be the kind of person that, that I know he raised me to be, and yet I have all these questions. And while I was thinking about all those things, he just, he put the, the suitcase down, and he walked Directly to me, and he put his hands on my shoulders, and he said, "Son, you're a good man, and I'm proud of you. I love you." Gave me a hug, got into the the airport, and uh, we drove away. And I just had that same familiar ache of feeling alone, even though Lauren was with me in the car, and we were driving back to our house, and. We kind of could have predicted how things were gonna go next and you know most of the challenges we were gonna face we'd faced before, but I still wanted my dad to be with me. And I haven't had a lot of these moments in my life. But I, it was like I felt someone put a hand on my shoulder. And it was such a strong sensation that I looked over, because Lauren did, didn't normally do that when I was driving. Everybody's kind of nervous when I'm driving. That's still a theme in my life. So, and she wasn't. And then I felt in my spirit a voice say to me, you're not alone. And even though you're not living in the home your parents raised you in, I'll be your home. And that's what I want us to hold on to this morning, is that that truth is not just something that God said to me once, years ago, it's something that God promises to me time and time again, and it's not just something that God promises to me, it's something that God promises to all of us. In a world that can often leave us longing for home, God declares to us, I will be your home. I will be your home. And we all need that promise. We need that voice. And when we realize that there is a hand reaching out and resting on our shoulders, brothers and sisters, just know this, that in that hand there are scars where nails once have been. And that our future The life that we have yet to live, it's not really depending on us. It's depending on him. And to the degree that we can trust him, to the degree that we can be open to him, we get to experience the confidence and the courage and the fearlessness that comes with knowing that wherever we are, we're home because God is our home. He's with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. We're going to take communion now. And what I want you to think about as we do is the truth that Just as much as I enjoyed that time every year when I was working on his master, or sorry, his doctor of ministry degree, he would come and he every night he'd have a meal with us. He'd be right across the table from us. And that's one of the things I miss the most. It's still one of the things I miss the most. That through the power of God's spirit, we are gathering together around this table with all of the fathers, all of the father figures, all of the people who have stepped in like Joshua, right? Moses was going to be, be gone, but Joshua was going to be there. And he was going to become the living embodiment, the living reminder that it wasn't him, it was God they really longed for. And he was going to point them to the presence of God. That we can do that for one another. That we, through the power of God's spirit, were gathering together. With our true father and all the other fathers we've ever had, and that God is knitting our souls together in ways beyond our our understanding. So it doesn't take understanding, it takes faith. And I want you to hold that hope in your heart that if you're weary and you're tired and you just wish you could go home, that we are home. We're home in Christ. Let's pray. God, as we take this bread, we, we ask that you would help us experience that gentle, strong presence and that we would also remember the ways in which your gentle yet strong presence in our lives has been made real through ordinary flesh and blood men who stepped up when we needed it to be there. To walk beside us, to encourage us, to challenge us, to find a way to to not only coach us, but to show compassion and care and to give us courage. As we eat this this bread, may it remind us of the fact that that's always how you work, God. That you take on flesh to nourish not only our bodies, but our souls. And for that, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Oh, love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul. depths its flow. that more shall tear and speak you are
0: Let's pray again. God, as we continue in this meal around the table with our faithful heavenly Father, God, we pray that as we take this cup that you'll remind us that we're at our best when we're pouring out our lives into the lives of other people. And we pray that you would help us think of the opportunities, of the, of the relationships that we have, that we know, God, you could help us invest more time and energy and imagination in. God, we want to be living reminders of your goodness, your faithfulness, your presence, and we need your help to do it. So help us. We beg in the name of your Son. Amen.